I V M. Maxed out on your ATC tax saving limit and want to save more on taxes? Don't worry, Paytm Money has got your back. Invest in the National Pension System or the NPS on Paytm Money. India's best retirement plan, NPS, is a smart pension scheme that helps you to avail an extra tax deduction of up to rupees fifty thousand and also allows you to save up for your retirement. The returns earned on NPS are completely tax-free. Also, the corpus withdrawn at retirement is tax exempt too. With NPS, you get to invest in a choice of asset classes and can enjoy professional fund management in a cost-effective manner. So, there is baat ki. Download the Paytm Money app from the Play Store. Get your KYC verified instantly and become investment ready within minutes. Now, additional tax saving or pension plan के लिए भी Paytm करो. Folks, welcome to Pesa Pesa. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and I hope all of you are staying safe, staying at home, and as always, my gratitude uh, from our show, from IBM, from all of us to the people on the front line battling this war for us, the civic workers, the health workers. Thank you to everyone who's doing this. My guest today, you know, my topic today, uh, it, it's a big one. It's something that we have discussed at uh, at Vesa Vesa, but I have a really special guest for that. We're going to be talking about passive investing as an evergreen option, and my guest is seriously special, Koel Ghosh, head of South Asia at S N P Dow Jones Indices. Now, S N P Dow Jones Indices is a division of S N P Global, which provides essential intelligence for individuals, companies, and governments to make decisions with confidence. Now, Koel has A very interesting post on the Indexology blog, and you guys must check it out. Okay, so go to www. indexologyblog. com. That's i n d e x o l o g y b l o g indexologyblog. com. There's a lot of insightful research out there, and views from the S and P indices team. You know, we're going to talk about her post. Uh, she's written one, which is you know about how passive investing is an evergreen option. We're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff. So, without further ado, let's get into this recording right away. Koel, welcome to Pesa Pesa. Thank you so much for doing this for us. The first time we've got someone from S and P Dow Jones Indices on our show, and let's start from there. You know, tell us what exactly is S and P Dow Jones Indices because we're all familiar with you know the Dow Jones Industrial Index, the S and P five hundred index, the Nasdaq. A lot of us even know S and P as credit rating agency. So let's start with. How does this work? What's your company about? What's S and P Dow Jones Indices about? Let's start with it. Yeah. Hi, Anupam. Firstly, thank you for inviting me to talk to you and your listeners. And I'm sure. truly very excited to talk about passive investing because this is something I'm deeply passionate about. Um, sure. But uh, to to kickstart, yes, uh, you know, uh, Standard and Poors as an organization does have a lot of uh, different businesses. And S and P Dow Jones Indices is the index division. So it's basically the joint venture of S and P Global, as you mentioned. It's our parent company, and it's a controlling member and Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group. So we are a joint venture, and uh, S and P Dow Jones Indices has been the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data, and research. And of course, everybody's heard of. The S and P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average—they are a part of our entire index basket. Now, uh, one of the things that many may not know is that there are more assets invested in our products based on our indices than products based on indices from any other provider in the world. Okay. So, uh, Charles Dow invented the first index in 1884. That's your DJIA. Uh, okay. It was 
followed by the popularity of the S&P 500, which became a U.S. market gauge. Uh, we have believed in innovating and developing indices across a lot of other asset classes. And this, we uh, hope, will define the way investors will measure and trade the markets. So you spoke about this business. Of course, that is, again, a separate division under our parent. So it is a sister concern, but it has completely different operations and different names. So uh, we are basically an ind independent index provider. We offer choice to the market via our different index baskets. And uh, these indices represent different market segments, uh, investment strategies. And what we always try to do is we keep a product-focused approach. So it helps us then develop relevant indices for markets and the countries that we serve. Now, coming to a bit to India, S&P Dow Jones has been in India for over two decades. And, you know, we've used this uh, expertise to help us understand what the market needs. And currently, we are in our partnership with BSC. We have been providing a lot of solutions to the market and also helping in furthering the entire passive movement that India is currently going through. Fantastic. I, you know, I need to do a totally separate show with you on how these indices are even manufactured because sometimes it gets so confusing for us and I would love a lot of insight on all of this Nifty, Sensex, because even the Sensex is actually, I think the full name is now the S&P BSC Sensex. It's, uh, Absolutely. It, yeah. So, you know, so maybe I can do a separate episode with you on that. Sure. So, let's start with this. Uh, I thought that you had a really fascinating post on passive investing as an evergreen option. So as someone, you know, who actually makes these indices, let's talk about this post now. I had a look at the post. Listeners also have a look at it on the Indexology blog uh, where Cohen has written it. The title of the post is Passive Investing as an Evergreen Option. And good Lord, there's like, there are so many asset classes out there. So the S&P Dow Jones indices team keeps an index for all of these asset classes. And that's just amazing. Okay, so I'll just run you these I'll run you through these asset classes. There is, of course, the equity, which is the Sensex uh, in India and the S&P 500 in the US. There is gold. Okay. Then there is debt, which is like uh, sovereign bond debt. And then there is crude. Now, these are just four or five assets which are fairly large. I'm sure there's much more out there. Uh, but I found that the, the results were really stark. The way that these indices have performed whether you look at it in the, in the last three months or in the last one year. And Koyal has actually, you know, she's written in a post that each asset class with its own characteristics is highlighting trends, which is keeping investors perplexed. And that's right, because when you look at equity, it has just plunged. All of us know that. Gold, not that much. Debt, of course not. Crude has its own trend. So now a lot of our listeners, Koyal, don't really track these individual markets that much. You know, maybe they don't have the time and all they get to see is maybe just, you know, this is the Sensex did and this is what the Nifty did. So can you please give them an overview, you know, on what exactly is happening across these asset classes? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, each asset class, as I have mentioned, you know, be it equity, fixed income or commodities have their own reactions to markets. I mean, one of the areas where, you know, there are indices created is also currency. There are a lot of currency indices as well. Now, uh, we, 
you know, to understand an entire perspective of how each of these asset classes work, I try to, you know, put them in examples because it's easier to understand when we compare them with numbers. Now, there is a way you can compare with shorter term trends. Sometimes they say shorter term trends don't really are not reflective rather of, you know, how the asset classes perform. So I kind of try to do justice by comparing it to longer term trends as well. Now, if we see the patterns, you know, we see how each asset class at least has a defined trend to different market cycles. Of course, you know, I have to qualify past performance cannot be a forecast to the future. But that said, you know, it definitely gives us an understanding of how that asset class behaves. So let's uh, take up equity. Like we compared the Indian um, markets to the US markets. We use the S&P BSE Sensex as in representative of the Indian markets. And I used S&P 500 for the US markets because they are very well-known market gauges. Now, a 10-year comparison of the 500 gave us an annualized return of 11.69% as compared to the Sensex. Now, you know, as you mentioned, 2020 was definitely not a good year for equity markets. And now if I compare just a Jan to April end kind of a, uh, you know, trajectory, the 500 has given a negative 9% and we have a Sensex which has given a negative 18%. So, wow. you know, you can understand if somebody is just looking at asset allocation and they're thinking, okay, should I put in, you know, Indian markets, should I put in, uh, the U.S. markets, this is a very easy way to kind of filter out and understand, okay, where should I allocate? Now, let's look at fixed income. You know, there's been a lot in the markets that's been going around. But if you see the trend, it has, it's been a more steady asset class. And uh, we have a, uh, for uh, the Indian markets, we have an S&P BSC 10-year GSEC. Now, it's a good sovereign index. Uh, so we know it's it's a good way to understand how the market's been moving. And a 10-year annualized return is at 2%. Obviously, fixed income will not give you the kind of return equity. Again, you're seeing the pattern of that. An equity can be a very high uh, return or a high loss trajectory, while a fixed income can be, you know, in, in that pattern, not a very high, but a more stable return trajectory. Sure. But you see the plan to April, you know, we saw a negative 18% in the sunset. This is a negative 0.2% from Jan to April. So you can understand, of course, it was negative. The markets are behaving, but it's more from a positive, almost a positive, you can say, trajectory. Now, uh, just quickly going over to another uh, gold and crude, you know, especially because you mentioned, I know this is a lot of asset classes. Equity yeah. and fiction would be the most simplistic ones. Commodities, people generally, uh, you know, as Indians, we love our gold. So I think that is something that we can, uh, you know, uh, basically understand uh, that asset class and compare with. So uh, gold, of course, has been the golden uh, positive trend with a 10-year annualized return of 3%, but a much more stronger Jan to uh, month-end return of 10%. But you'll see a crude has a deep negative trajectory. So uh, what I'm trying to you know bring to uh, light here is while portfolio managers, while investors are looking at how do I, you know, allocate my funds. Asset allocation becomes so critical because in such times you have to see which asset allocation will work for you. And maybe you'll have to play around a little with it to shift it around to see that you are 
using that asset class which works to your benefit the most it's fascinating yeah you know i would when i look at this table on your blog i would say that i i wish that i was just in gold and bonds if i was in india or if i look at the 10 year pattern i'm going to just read from your blog because this index comparison of the long term the blog post the data that's there that 10 year is such a you know that those numbers are just mind boggling if i look at the s&p 500 for example uh, the 10 year return that you there is about 10.53% and that's the highest across all categories and then you know okay maybe you could say that indians don't have uh, an opportunity to put in the s&p 500 till recently of course because i just had the mostly losfall guys talk about the new index fund uh, for the s&p yes. 500 and you've got yeah. sovereign bond of india 10 year return mm-hmm. of percent like 7% mm-hmm. right the market is when the stock markets are down sharply sounds like wow give me that already yeah of course mm-hmm. you got gold which you said 3 you know 3% annualized and then index 10 year return of just 7% i mean you know mm-hmm. equity supposed to beat inflation i don't know if that's mm-hmm. happened so folks just check out uh, the blog post that coel has written for all these numbers that i just spoke to you about i just well i i really like the quote that you started your post with you know where you you have quoted john bogle of course who doesn't know john bogle legendary investor yeah. you know ceo or and the founder of vanguard here's what she here's what coel the idea uh, who's quoting from john bogle the idea that a bell rings to signal when investors should get into or out of the market is simply not credible after nearly 50 years in this business i do not know of anybody who has done it successfully and consistently i don't even know anybody who knows anybody who's done it successfully or consistently i think the point here is that markets assets trade 24 hours in a day and you know it's really impossible for anyone uh, you know to get into this or out at the right time so we are going to talk about the main topic of the post and of this podcast which is that why do why does coel think that passive investing is an evergreen option so folks don't go anywhere we'll be right back on this really special episode of paisa paisa hey everybody welcome to another amazing week on the ivm podcast network if you're not following us on social media please do we're ivm podcast on twitter facebook and instagram i'd like to thank our sponsors this week paytm money While we're still going through lockdown, let me recommend a few quick shows for you to listen to. Check out Uncle Please Said with Joel and Tushar. Really enjoy that show. They unpack some of the greater issues that we're facing, and I think you'll enjoy that. Also, do check out The Traveling Professor. That's a fun show that I think you're really going to enjoy as well. Fulia Bazi is a great show. It's a Hindi show about policy and things like that. They had a great episode last week. A close friend of mine from college, Joy Paul, was the guest. They talk about different social networks being used for different things. Very cool show. And uh, lastly, let me tell you about Simplified. Simplified. I did a live episode last week and uh, we're making the first part of that available on their feed right now so do definitely check that out i'm sure you'll enjoy it and with that let's continue with your show and welcome back to this really special episode of paisa paisa my guest koel ghosh head of south asia at snp dow jones indices we're talking about passive investing passive investing as an evergreen option Uh, in the first part we spoke we spoke about what exactly does s&p dow jones indices does and we spoke about how various asset classes equity debt and commodities like crude and gold have done uh, in the last few months in this volatile times and and also over the last 10 years in this part we are going to get into the main topic now, what exactly or other how is passive investing an evergreen option so coel here's the thing a lot of my listeners have uh sips running i'm sure that you've seen the numbers 
in India. I mean, you yourself have been associated with the mutual fund industry here in, in India for quite some time. So you know the numbers. We are at about uh, 3 crore SIPs. I think the average ticket size is about 3,000 or 4,000 rupees a month. And at least last month, the numbers are looking pretty good. We are doing about 8,500 crores each month into SIPs. I have no idea how April would be. So a lot of SIPs are not looking good right now. And that actually highlights your point about asset allocation that you spoke in the first part. So now get into you know why you've said in your blog post about how passive investing is an evergreen option. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah, like you know you you did uh, you know mention the quote, and and I think that's one of the things that people try all the time, and that's uh, you know market timing. And time and again, uh, we have been proven that that really doesn't work. So, uh, you know, before I get into why passive is the evergreen option, let me take a minute to explain passive investing for those who may be hearing it for the first time, or it is something you've been hearing very often, but, you know, not really understood what is this passive investing. So let me explain. Passive investing is very simple, nothing complicated. It's just investing in an index. So you've heard of the S&P 500, you've S&P BSE Sensex, your S&P BSE 100, 500. You are basically buying the basket. Now, an index is nothing but that basket of securities, and it could belong to any asset. So, and it, and it could be your fixed income. It could be a combination of fixed income and equity. And the the thing about it is it is designed by an independent index provider through transparent rules. And these rules are clearly laid out in a methodology document. Now, the biggest advantage that you get in an index investing environment is that, again, repeating, it's investing in the basket of security. So there is no single stock. There's no single sector exposure. You are completely insulating yourself from a risk concentration. Uh, secondly, low cost. Now, active funds or mutual funds, they all charge a higher investment fee. And now why is that? You have a fund manager, he has a research team, all of this comes at a cost. Now, since this index investing has a preset rule and methodology, it doesn't need these costs. And so very simplistically, these costs are saved. Now, uh, let me give an example. An investment management management fee for mutual funds can raise, range from 1% to almost 2.25%. Now, in passive options, this can go as low as basis points, which is nothing but percentage of a percentage. So if you have to take the S&P BSE Bharat 22 index, which was a disinvestment proposition by Deepam, it is less than one basis. So what I'm talking about, the expense ratio, which probably is the lowest, is 0.009%. So you'll have more zeros coming in. So mm-hmm. in that, you know, you have such low cost, you are then getting the benefit of that actual index returns straight into your pocket. Now, the other thing when while we're discussing, you know, active and passive, active is nothing but your mutual funds where you have a fund manager who's actually selecting the stocks based on research. And passive is again, like I said, index investing. Now, uh, S&P Dow Jones Indices biannually publishes a scorecard. This is called SPIVA. It's called S&P Index Index versus Active. What it does is it compares active and passive. So 
it will compare the different categories of active funds vis-a-vis the suitable benchmark for the category. So while globally we have a long track record of this kind of a publication happening across regions, in India we started this publication somewhere around 2013. And from there to, to date, a trend that has emerged is especially in the large cap funds, we are witnessing an underperformance to the benchmark which we have chosen as the S&P BSC 100. So very simplistically, it makes you wonder why sift through, you have 44 mutual funds, they have a large number of schemes within the schemes, you have different categorization, just invest in a simple index and you are, you know, you are saved from all that sifting through. And the added advantages, you have an independent calculator, you have transparency, you can go to any public platform, you can go to your stock exchanges, you can see the BSC 100 or the Sensex splashing, you know where it's moving up or down. You have index uh, providers' websites, they give you all the methodology, all the different calculations in terms of how the index is performing, what are the constituents, so you can get all of that information. And that Advantage is huge because there is no fund manager bias. Now, let's be practical. You know, uh, you have mutual funds. There are star fund managers, but it's all human. Can they consistently give you a performance? So that is also a question that begs an answer and then probably pushes us and steers us more towards passive investing. So if one has to choose a very simple way to access say market returns or sector returns or asset class exposure, this index investing can offer all of that at one shot. So why is it not the evergreen option? Wow. You know, I can do an entire recording with you on this PY India scorecard. That's been one of my favorite documents to keep on reading over and over again. I'm just thrilled that you guys are doing it out here. Uh, You know, I wish that we had years ago. I wish that we had this 20 years ago because... Uh, I think in the US, PY is a very well-known and, and and accepted concept. You've got this running for how long out there? Uh, we've, we've been running it way back more than well, we started in India. So, I mean, now we yeah, have other regions, yeah. you have South Africa, yeah. you have the Europe. All of them have now uh, SPIVA running uh, very successfully and it's it's become quite a reference scorecard. It is, it is. So, folks, here's the thing. Just go into Google, okay, and type SPIVA India Scorecard. I'll spell that out for you. That's S-P-I-V-A, SPIVA India Scorecard. And you'll find like a whole bunch of PDF documents. There's some from S&P's own website. Uh, that's the index team's website. Uh, there's something from the BSC. There's a whole lot of other stuff out there. So, just have a look at it. You'll be amazed at the results. Okay, you'll be just amazed at the results and why Coel is saying about how passive investing is an evergreen option. She just laid out you know, the entire intellectual framework about how active is different and passive is different. So, well, all this is great, honestly. You know, you've made such a nice compelling case for passive investing um, as an evergreen option. But here's the thing. The sheer fact that there are so many asset classes and there are so many index funds or ETFs to choose from. And there's something that you've written in your own um, on your own post where you said that a dilemma faced by many investors is the availability of a plethora of options around them and making the decision of what is the best choice. So let's wrap up this recording with this dilemma. You know, so what is it? Uh, what is this dilemma that you've spoken about in your post? Yeah, I think, you know, making a choice is very difficult. 
you know, even if you take simple things such as clothes, you know, it's a different thing that today we are in the COVID environment. We are all in casuals and, you know, having very lounging around. But, uh, you know, there have been times when, you know, you've been looking at your wardrobe and saying that, you know, huh, you know what what do I pick up? You go to a mm-hmm. place food and you have so many options, you know, whether you want to do a you know, healthy option, a fine dining option, you want to do Chinese, takeout. I mean, even family travel up till now could be a, you know, case for a lot of debating. Now, that all comes into passive investment also, because if we have, if I take it through the way we classify our indices, probably it will give you a clearer uh, perspective. Now, if an investor is looking for geographical exposure and he's looking country by country, so he can look at a Sensex for India, he can look at the 500 for US, there's the S&P, ASX, 200 for Australia. That gives you your, your allocations for your geographical exposure. Then sometimes if you're still talking in the, we have these two aspects, you call us plain vanilla indices. So in, within the plain vanilla, we still talking about then sectoral. So, you know, you are looking at finance or, or you look at some themes, say it'd be infrastructure or you know, somebody likes dividends. So they, they get into a dividend theme. Now, one of the common challenges that we face you basically face in passive investing once uh, you know it's gone past its initial stages is investors expectations go beyond plain vanilla returns so they are like i'm not happy with just market returns or just the sector returns i want that extra now that's you know the extra bit is when you want to add flavors to your ice creams you know you want to add your strawberry or you want to have your chips and then this is Factors come into play. Now, factors are very simple. You know, you take concepts such as low volatility, quality, momentum, or value. And if these concepts sound too complicated, it's, it's basically you're taking a lot of fundamental factors that many active fund managers may be using in their uh, stock selection. And you create them into rules and you institutionalize them into indices. Now, that may give you a, an index which generally picks up all the stocks which are low volatile. Now, such stocks are a boon for markets, I believe. Again, I believe that's an evergreen option, though, volatility, because what it does is it doesn't, it has basket of stocks, which will not jump too much in a rising market and will not fall too much in a falling market. So it then gives you a very, very stable kind of performance, which over time, if we do a comparison with normal market benchmarks, has been seen to be doing fairly better. So that is something that then is something an investment manager or an investor can look at in in such times where there's a lot of volatility going on. Now, you know, there are multiple indices, like we said. Now, some one of the new trend that we've spoken about is sustainability, right? Everybody's talking about, you know, how, how the air quality is improving. And before that, I think there has been a lot of conversation on, uh, you know, how we need to be more conscious about the environment, the social and the corporate governance. Now, such factors today are getting, uh, you know, kind of qualified and quantified into the indices. And then there are selected stocks that then pick such companies and put them in the basket. And you'll have a lot of uh, conscious investors, portfolio managers, big institutions who will invest in nothing else but something which is ESG compliant. So given this kind of wide area of choice, you know, you have to be very, very clear in what your investment objective is. So 
that's when making a choice comes is you have to understand what you want so if i have to very simplistically put it for somebody who just in a uh, wants to put it in a non financial context if i'm going to a wedding i will choose a more elaborate outfit rather than if it's a casual evening so similarly you know an investment portfolio manager will look at what his investment goal is is it trying to create a diversified portfolio is he trying to be in a very concentrated uh, portfolio another thing which is very very critical and in today's world is very important is uh, core satellite it's a very very simple concept you have you, you have your your funds and you believe that you are you are a very good stock picker then you can use an active approach but you always kind of keep some funds aside to keep that passive as a satellite it's like you can imagine you have your sun which is your core and your planets which are moving around it and that's your satellite or switch it because i understand in our markets which is india we our active funds have areas where they are doing well too and you if you have that ability to pick the right active fund manager or pick the right kind of fund that you want you may want to have that active strategy within you so there is a possibility where you can use this core and satellite and get the best of both worlds just i'm just amazed at the sheer range of choices out there some of us i have a difficulty walking into a starbucks and ordering my coffee <laughs> so uh, if that can get to be such a complicated decision then folks what you should do is you should really i think first well what would be a good starting point first be aware of what is there on choice you think that that's a good starting point i think what i think the good starting point is first understanding what you want which i said you know your investment goal is it a short term is it long term is it are you what is your risk reward you know expectations i think you start there once you understand what you want then you start you know fitting the jigsaw puzzles in terms of picking out the pieces and putting it as far as you know as the basis on which you want to be but i think in today's world especially with the covid uh, scenario i think it is important that everybody looks at diversification so you should look at you know diversifying your uh, entire asset allocation yeah really important i mean when i look at the data that you shared on your website i would love to be in those asset classes which have actually given stable returns as compared to seeing your entire portfolio what fall 20% 30% 40% so folks there you go um you know get to know yourself your risk return profile and get to know what products are out there and of course always 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 talk to your investment advisor uh the range of products is huge out there we just spoke about s&p dow jones indices uh and the kind of indices that it offers and because there are so many indices out there you'll find similar index fund and etfs out there but uh, this is a wrap on this episode of paisa paisa uh, the passive investing as an evergreen option my guest koel ghosh head of south asia at snp dow jones indices koel thank you really you know thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me yeah i mean you know had a good time recording this uh, to get your perspective on this folks stay safe and again once again thank you to all the frontline workers who are helping us to be safe at home hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode Koel Ghosh, uh, head of South Asia at S&P Dow Jones Indices. Koel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision. Entertainment is like food for the brain. 
It's a window to culture and a great way to understand the world around us. The internet has changed what it means to be an entertainer, creating new storytellers with millions of fans. It has spawned a new breed, the story sellers, those behind the scenes creating the business for this ecosystem. They work with brands, platforms and channels who are keen to capitalize on an audience hungrier than ever for more stories. I am Vineet Kanabar and I have a ringside view to how stories are told and sold. On my show, I bring you creators, artists, executives and marketers for a freewheeling conversation around the business of entertainment. Tune in to Storytellers and Storysellers for personal stories, analysis and criticism every Thursday as I talk to the brightest minds telling or selling great stories today. Do you wish you were smarter? Well, so do we. But the next best thing, we could make you sound smarter. And to help you with this endeavor, we are Simplified, Ooh. a podcast uh, that attempts to break down the complex world around you with a little knowledge, a lot of poor jokes and a ton of random trivia. Episodes out every Monday on the IVM podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. See ya. See ya.